Welcome back to Nerds Amalgamated. I'm the professor and my co-host is the DJ. How are you going, DJ? I'm going good. I'm going good. We're enjoying the spring weather with the rain and the sunshine and the rainbows. Yeah, too bloody hot. (laughs) Oh, you always hate the weather. (laughs) I don't always hate the weather. Well... And until winter strikes, <laughs> then you'll well, go. When I was in Norway and I was walking around in shirt and shorts when everyone else had like five layers on, <laughs> then I didn't hate it. Everyone hated me. <laughs> I can imagine you in a subway station <laughs> with shirt and shorts <laughs> and everyone's just eyeballing you, just giving the most evil look at you going, Why you. a subway station? <laughs> No, those tend to be fairly warm. Because it's Norway. Like, aren't, uh, isn't Norway like appraised to be the uh, more most efficient with their transport system? Yeah, but that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> I was up be- around the northern part where there's no public transport anyway. Oh, oh, okay. Wow, there's that up part of the um, the Arctic Circle. Ah, <laughs> they still gave you the evil look. Dang, the other Aussies did. <laughs> I fit in a lot better with the Norwegians. <laughs> anyway, uh, somewhere we don't fit in is uh, the top 20 people on Twitch. <laughs> Part of that's because I've only done one stream. Oh, we did a couple. We've done we've done a couple. Oh, yeah, we did, a, we did do E3 a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did a couple, and then we had that one gaming stream, which went, which went, which went nowhere, but it was funny to play. It was funny. Well, would have gone somewhere if I hadn't then disappeared for a month, but yeah. things happened anyway. Yeah. Bad things happened to Twitch. Da, da, da. Just the other day, 125 gigabytes of Twitch data got leaked, including source code, payout amounts. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's all of a bit of a mess, really. <laughs> so this is like the Panama Papers? Not as big. So probably nothing's going to happen about this either. So maybe you're right. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, people were looking into the Panama Papers. But the fallout from the Panama Papers was huge, though. Like, look at how many corrupt people were there. Yeah, but is a Twitch streamer being rich corrupt? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got, you got, you got. Good po- you got a good question there, but that, dep- that depends. Like, what do they do with the money? That'd be the bi- that'd be the bigger question. Well, that's a separate issue, I think. Yeah. Oh, by the way, with the Panama Papers, it was that one was two point six terabytes of data. Yeah. So this isn't quite as big. <laughs> like, what I mean is, it would suck to find out that PewDiePie's a Nazi or that he says the N word on stream. But I mean, these are things that have actually happened. But is. PewDiePie using his money that he gets from streaming to pay someone to hold up a Nazi sign. Is that corrupt? Mm. Or is that just him paying someone to do something that's a bit of a, a bit nasty? Yeah, there's, it's always that, it's always that, you know, that uh, moment, you know? Yeah. Although, mind you, some of the Twitch streamers here, like the, the funny part, like the funny part with some of these Twitch streamers is that some of them rely, some of them have, have so much money, yet they uh, they don't like the idea of earning that money. That my money, it's like uh, like for example, uh, Hassan Abi. If uh, for those who are curious, that's Hassan Piker. Now Hassan Piker is uh, uh, like he 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 says a lot of stuff about socialism and how he's all great and stuff. How it's all great and stuff. <laughs> he receives all this money. Yeah, he's not the only one though. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not sure that having a lot of money doesn't mean that he can't criticize the rich. And, you know, as long as he's paying his taxes, I don't have a problem with him getting tons of money. Although, mind I you, I don't he- follow him, but based on what I've heard about him, so he's into so- socialism and universal healthcare and all that, from what I can tell. Yeah. So, but- as long as he's paying his taxes, cool. Because a person making $100,000 pays. More tax should be paying more tax than someone earning fifty thousand. Although, mind you, the problem you- is you get people who move their money around and do weird business stuff to not pay tax. They're the people who ruin it for everyone. 
Although, mind you, with uh, Hassan recently, he was uh, facing criticism for buying a $3 million home, even though he was the one that kept on saying, oh, yes, uh, socialism is the best. Capitalism is bad. I'm going, really? <laughs> when you is buy a- buying a house anti-socialist? <laughs> well, to you know, it's, it's always the American dream, you know, like buying our own home, that kind of thing, you know? And is there something wrong with buying your own home? Well, to him, he, to, to him, he says like, no, you should not buy your own home. You should, um, you should donate that home to, uh, to to others. You know, like he he hates the idea of public property. Basically, if he yeah, hated he, the he, idea of public property, he wouldn't want people to be donating p- property. Yeah. Yeah. He wouldn't like parks. <laughs> I think what you meant to say is he hates the idea of private property. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. My In bad. which case, yes, that is a little bit hypocritical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. About three million dollars hypocritical. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the the Twitch the, the Twitch leak though, it it's very interesting the other numbers that have come up from that. Yeah, so the money amounts that we're talking about. The data is for the last three years, and we've got people like some of the big ones earning anything from tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands, and then the people way up on top earning <laughs> millions. So you just mentioned Hassan. He earned $3 million in the past three years, and he's only number 13 on the list. Ow. But some others you've probably heard of. I think people know Shroud, right? Yeah, I know a bit of Shroud. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not up on Twitch, really. Shroud only gets $100,000 in the past three years. Okay. And Vine Source, who decently sized, only made $11,000. Okay. Who's the, who, who's the bigwig of the, of, of the payout table? Let's find out. But something I keep meaning to come back to, but keep getting sidetracked here anyway. If you have a Twitch account, I recommend changing your password because it looks like the data leak contains hashed passwords, which are difficult to crack, but not impossible. So there's a chance that your password will get cracked in the reasonably near future. And particularly if you're in the, you know, top 100 Twitch streamers, you're probably an even bigger target. (laughs) So let's say about um, Mark Zuckerberg. It's basically impossible for Mark Zuckerberg to log into his Facebook account because there's so many fake... Uh, people trying to log in. So for Mark Zuckerberg, there's a special procedure that he has to go through to get his new phone set up with his Facebook account. <laughs> Can you imagine like all those fa- all those fake uh, Facebook account? All in all, they need is an image of him, and there's so many images of him. <laughs> Why would they need an image of Zuckerberg? Isn't a fa- isn't a Facebook um, like based on face recognition and whatnot? No, not at all. Ah, okay. They can do face recognition on photos you upload, but I'm not aware of there being any like face recognition when it comes to um, logging in. Yeah, I remember his how he uh, his terrible password was revealed. <laughs> that was yes, funny. That, one, that time he got hacked. That's the reason it's hard to actually get into his account because so many people are trying to hack it. <laughs> and people have managed to hack it a couple of times. So we have for the top three positions, Critical Role with 9,600,000 in the past three years. Damn. XQ Cow. I'm not sure how you pronounce that one. I see it around, but I don't know how you say it. Or XQCOW, however you would say it. Eight and a half million, and some at one G with five point eight million. Damn, that's a lot of money. Yeah, so there's quite a long tail on it, though. With like just from that, the top two streamers earn twice what most of the people in the top ten are earning. And by the time we hit top ten, so number ten is Lyric, who only got three million. So there's quite a long tail. A lot of people earn a little amount. A couple of people are earning the big bucks. But this is just Twitch payouts, so we don't know how much they earn from merchandise, their YouTube account if they have one, sponsorships, anything like that. I wonder whose computer did they had to hack to get all this data. <laughs> yeah, this is a bit of egg on the face for Twitch. I mean, tw- Twitch has been... Uh, Twitch in the last few years has been going through some... Had been going through some really, really insane dramas. Like uh, one time when they ha- when they hired the, uh, the a mod team, and how the mod team was just a bunch of uh, 
bunch of bunch of really really questionable uh, people, and uh, it, it lasted for a few few days, and then they decided we're gonna shut down that program. Is that the one where they tried to make a diverse mod team? Yeah, and yeah. only picked people who were like way out on the diverse end. Yep. And I think one it reminds of them... me of the time Huffington Post was bragging about how diverse their head editors were, and it's a photo of a bunch of white women. <laughs> like, come on, you're hardly—that's hardly diverse. <laughs> like, if your group is just white men or white women or black men or black women or only trans people, that's not diverse. <laughs> diverse <laughs> is having a mixture. <laughs> Yeah, and what's even funnier with the Twitch one was basically like one of them was basically uh, trying to uh, was identified as a as a deisexual or something, and uh, some of the streams were just like, "What am I watching?" Dear, <laughs> as in Rudolph. Yeah, like Bambi, <laughs> that kind <Okay>. of deer. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't know that was legal. <laughs> there's a uh, there, there 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 is a there is a video. Where you just go, why, <laughs> why are you, why are you like this? <laughs> I'm hoping that's not a video involving nudity. Please tell me it's not a video involving nudity. Oh no, no, no. it's not. It's not involving nudity. It's okay, basically, good. it's it's basically role play, role playing in the weirdest way possible. That's all okay, I'm gonna so say. Furry. Yeah, oh, not really a. He's a furry, but not not, a, not an actual furry, like wearing a costume kind of thing. That's the problem. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have any big issue with furries as long as they're not actually going out and getting <laughs> it on with wildlife. But yeah, the, the yeah, like like you're right. This that was the um uh, yeah the Twitch state the Twitch Safety Advisory Council. <laughs> That's what it was called. <laughs> and then there was also, and then um, there was also the uh, trouble. There was also the trouble where someone tried to sue Twitch for um, for for mental issues, if I recall. And this uh, and this person was, uh, if if I remember the lawsuit, he uh, it was suing Twitch for because he's follow- following every female Twitch streamer. <laughs> oh, this guy who was saying that. He's too um, addicted to watching female streamers and suing Twitch. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I remember that guy. That's pretty frivolous, though. <laughs> yeah, but it was just, right. that drama was just so funny. <laughs> Twitch has been coming under a bit of fire recently when it comes to what's called hate raids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which basically a bunch of people attack a, a person, seems to be mostly, you know, trans or gay or female streamers. People are horrible don't hate raid people come on <laughs> seriously but the they're having a big push to do something to deal with that and we also now as part of this leak have seen what they use to train their machine learning algorithm which is a whole bunch of regex for spelling the n-word in various different ways <laughs> among other things like it's a whole lot of stuff that's not safe for work, so I'm not going to actually go into detail. But there's some regex for generating sentences containing various swear words or references to the Holocaust, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, in various ways that happen to maybe get around the filter. And what's also interesting is um, some of the other interesting details that came out. Like uh, if I recall. They were trying to make a, a steam a competitor to Steam or something like that. Yes, called Vapor, which is a very nice uh, code name there. Ah, <laughs> nice. Also, the irony that it also is vaporware. <laughs> but we've also found out from the DMs that have been leaked. Streamer Aiden Ross gets one point six million dollars a month in sponsorship from a gambling site. No, no, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna rant a little bit here, but I think it's, you know, on the same level as loot boxes, I think it's absolutely despicable for gambling companies to be targeting young viewers like this because the people who watch these people on Twitch are young people and you're basically going after kids. It's like like cigarette companies used to do 30 or 40 years ago. Well, a but- bit longer than that. I keep forgetting it's 2020 and not like. 
it, it, it depends what game though. Was it like, was it like you know the whole like it's your boy Ray Shadow Legend? Uh, specifically, a gambling site. Oh, but well, wait a minute. But isn't um the guys who create Raid Raid um also a gambling company though? Yes. Yes, it's uh, different, but so if you're getting sponsored by Riot, I wouldn't say that you're getting sponsored by a gambling company, but if you're out there shilling for, I don't know, Ladbrokes or Bet365 or something, then that's specifically being sponsored by a gambling company. But if you follow the company ownership back at far enough, you get to an Israeli gambling company as the head of Raid Shadow Legends. And to be clear, I'm just saying Israeli because they are. I'm not saying it because I'm like Jews rule the world or anything. <laughs> and please don't take that out of context and send it to my boss. <laughs> Also but I think it's interesting that we've had the adpocalypse on YouTube with a whole bunch of things getting banned to hide objectionable content. And Twitch itself has so far avoided that and also managed to keep their objectionable sponsors like gambling sites. And not, not to mention, they, they even have like a couple of objectionable people invincible uh, from the rules. Sorry, to be clear, Aiden Ross is getting 1.6 million a month. <laughs> yeah so being exempt from the rules there is evidence in this leak that some users are exempt from the rules the reason for that i reckon is likely because lots of people are going to get fake reports from fans of other streamers who just want to sow chaos people just being idiots for no good reason so i'm inclined to think that the reason for this is to stop them getting caught in an automated filter if you have an automated filter that says you know if you receive a hundred reports in a month then you get automatically banned but of course somebody with that many followers is going to get that many trolls trying to ban them. So they get exempted for that reason. I don't think it's as malicious as what people are saying, which is that Twitch specifically doesn't ban these people because they're special. I mean, they are also people who bring in lots of money for Twitch. But yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think it's that, you know, some secret conspiracy to protect Twitch's favorite people. I think it's just because it's the only way to deal with that many reports. Yeah. And I they think should it's, still be investigating the reports, but maybe they shouldn't be automatically banning people of a certain size from the reports. Yeah, but here's the thing, though: like, if if uh, let's say, for example, if um if I if I were a very very famous Twitch streamer, well, I hope I do, um, and uh, I do something question, and and I rake in like millions and millions of dollars, and I do something questionable, like, uh, it's if it's not going to affect their bottom dollar, then like the Twitch will be like, you know what? Yeah, mistakes can happen. You're fine. That would be a cause for concern. If you could find evidence that that's happened, then I'd be concerned. But I don't think it's cause for concern right now. Yeah, but then there, but then you are right about the false reports. I mean, like there is a, if I recall, there was a Twitch streamer that uh that was streaming with his son, and how people would report like, hey, this is objection, this is bad content, guys. But people will will post our fake fake reports on it, and Twitch will be like, hey, uh, he's just it's his son. Come on, guys. I mean, that happens anyway, because people are trolls. Yeah. So what we have here is limited information. Like we have mm -hmm. a list of people who are not to be banned for particular reasons. So DJ Wheat is the one you're probably talking about who yeah. streams with his son, has a do not ban for underage, which could be that that's the flag that they use for when somebody is being reported for being objectionable, whatever. So these are then there's also some of the big ones, Rice Gum and Low Tyler One, have do not suspend escalate violations to and then an email address. <laughs> so in that case, if people are reporting something and a Twitch moderator happens to look at it and think this is serious, they have to go through somebody higher up. I do also like Sarbandia, Reason, CEO. Do not ban for literally any reason. <laughs> really? <laughs> any reason? He's the CEO. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I get that, but then, like, you know, you know how? Okay, you know how we always say, like, yes, every person should be held accountable, blah blah blah. Yet, 
like, imagine if the CEO does something really, really risque. Like, do not ban him. I think if your CEO is coming out on Twitch, like, even if it's a CEO of Twitch, but coming out and doing something incredibly inappropriate on stream, it's probably you got bigger issues. <laughs> Whereas if you have an account with 10 users who happens to be streaming... I don't know, pornography, and that gets reported, then you want that one to get caught by the automatic flagging because you want to keep inappropriate content off as much as possible. But you also don't want the people who are actually legitimate getting banned because of trolls. What's interesting is that, like, What's interesting is this just shows that the system is rigged. It's heavily rigged. Not so much rigged as it's um it's to stop false positives. So a lot of these are uh, if someone gets reported for a particular reason, they're not to be banned because there's a, a mitigating factor. Like they receive a lot of fake reports. The only one in there that seems to be explicitly double standards is for staff members like the CEO. Because they've also got a couple of other accounts in there that look like they belong to marketing partners like Doritos. Hmm. So they obviously don't want that advertising channel getting falsely flagged because that advertising channel is paying them however many hundreds of millions of dollars to be on Twitch. I think the biggest thing to learn is that mm-hmm. Twitch had absolutely abysmal security. <laughs> How do you have all of this stuff available to a hacker? It shouldn't be possible for a hacker to access all of this this easily. Well, so uh, 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 what uh, I think uh, is likely is the hacker got into one server and then found some escalation that let them hop between different servers. Because I think it's likely that a server that handles payments is different from a server that handles DMs. And what's even crazier is, this is Amazon funding it. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Amazon. Is this a problem with Twitch's end? I really want to know. Is it a problem with Twitch's end, or is it because Amazon's web hosting is rubbish? I really hope Amazon's web hosting is not rubbish, because there are so many sites being hosted on Amazon. But if it is, it's a bit of a problem. (laughs) Yeah, for me, I I think the take-home message... like even with all the stuff, um, all I'm gonna say is outside Twitch, uh, money rules everything. So welcome to life. Yeah, and so it's interesting to see what the actual payout amounts are and get a little bit of info on the inside workings. Mm-hmm. Well, we should keep it moving along. Uh, if you've got Twitch, change your password. Your stream key will have been reset automatically. They've taken that step, but. Moving on to another thing to rant about, <laughs> NFTs. <laughs> what have we got today, DJ? So, on what's a... going to make me cry today? <laughs> so, on a panel discussion at Coin Geek New York with Crypto Crypto Fight CEO Adam Kling and Joe Brusher of Graphic Novel Empire Xenoscope, uh, they were talking about NFTs. Uh, and a few possibilities looking at the ways properties from different media can cross over into each other's world while using the BSV blockchain to add value at the same time. Marketing bullshit. Marketing <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> so um, CryptoFi and Xenoscope have just recently announced a deal that would see some of the uh, Xenoscope universe famous much uh, and much-loved characters join CryptoFi as playable characters. There are over 300 characters in its library, and only NFT to one of those would give crypto fight players the chance to take them out in a static comic book world into something more interactive. Now, this is something, when I first heard it, I thought, no, bugger off, I hate NFTs. <laughs> uh, I'm coming around to it. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> are we going ma- to see you as a believer? <laughs> no. Ah, oh, you subverted my expectations. <laughs> but it's an implementation detail. I still think it's a bad, um, bad way to do it. But this implementation looks less bad than the one that I'm usually pretty upset with. Because as far as I can tell, this one would not churn through a whole bunch of power to generate the crypto keys and all of that. It's going to be a like, merge into the game so that your character can have costumes and animations, but the details of your ownership of those 
assets are stored in the blockchain. Yeah, so the uh, company behind CryptoFight was also working on something that will really change the game, but there's no details to be announced. But uh, all agreed that... So they're uh, working on something that will really change the game, but won't tell us what it is. <laughs> Sounds yeah. really promising there. Hey, come on. We heard that line. At, we've heard that line at E3 every year. Think about it. <laughs> Even Todd Howard loves to use that line. Like, we're really good. We're going to have something that will really change the game. It's called Fallout 76. <laughs> so what's interesting, though, is that because blockchain is peer-to-peer, yeah. You don't have to rely on the company servers to preserve your um, your costumes and animations. You might remember things like PlayStation Home shut down a few years back. Yeah. If you spent money on something like PlayStation Home, it's gone now. You can't ever get it back. You can't even log in and have a look at the uh, decorations that you bought because they no longer exist. Whereas if you uh, buy The Sims, because that's all local, you can look at the things, you can... Keep playing. As long as you have a copy of the data, you can still see the the content that you paid for. Mm -hmm. This sort of bridges the gap there. Every player would have their own copy of the blockchain or would be able to access their own copy of the blockchain. And as long as there's somebody out there with a copy of the blockchain, you can get your own copy. Yeah. And that would be a way to have something like PlayStation Home that doesn't just die when a company decides to shut it down. They also want to go full metaverse (laughs) and have characters going between different games. I'm not sure how that will work with licensing, and I'm not sure how that'll work with actually implementing the blockchain into all of those games. All of those games would have to share the blockchain, and what stops a... Who manages the blockchain? How is it run? What stops a bad actor from flooding the blockchain with transaction junk transactions? So instead of actually transferring, you know, if I own a costume and sell it to you, DJ, then we would enter a transaction on the blockchain, and somebody going back through the blockchain would be able to see Professor bought this in twenty twenty one and sold it to DJ in twenty twenty two and so on and so forth. Yeah. But what stops me as a game developer from tying into the blockchain and creating 100 million bots to just trade items backwards and forwards? There wouldn't be. It's it, it'd be, it's, a, it, yeah. it, it's a very, very open market, which... Eh. I see that as an attack vector, which I think would be very hard to mitigate, apart from outright banning bad actors. But yeah. Because blockchain is decentralized, that's another difficulty. Yeah. Uh, But we're seeing it with some of the main blockchains at the moment, especially Bitcoin, is hitting the limit of its ability to record transactions. We're getting to the point where, well, we have been there for a few years. There are more transactions happening on Bitcoin than can be recorded in a day. And it's not only that, though. It's also like the amount of money that gets put into it as well. Well, this wouldn't necessarily have to be ridiculous amounts of money. It could be a blockchain optimized for, well, actually, no, that wouldn't work. Because you'd still need the blockchain to be hard to fake. And most blockchains currently rely on proof of work. So that's why people are buying lots of GPUs, because GPUs allow you to do lots of work. <laughs> it's all junk. It doesn't mean anything... You throw it away as soon as the transaction's recorded. It doesn't, it's not actually work. <laughs> You're just making your things do stuff to run the blockchain. And you can argue that running the blockchain is work, but I don't think that's really valid because the blockchain is so environmentally destructive. No, oh, yeah, yeah. When it comes well, uh, to proof of work. So okay. they probably have to pick a different algorithm. Otherwise, you'll have the same problem you have with Bitcoin, where if enough people bought, if if somebody bought enough GPUs and set them to work on this uh, blockchain, the BSV chain, then you could perform an attack called a 51% attack. Basically, you can guarantee that if you have enough power you can guarantee that you can fake transactions. Part of the way that Bitcoin makes it very hard to fake a transaction is that you need to be the one to actually record that transaction and have it verified. If you have enough power, you can ensure that you control the computers that record the transaction and verify it. 
And that's a bit worrying to me because the article does actually say that it's using a Bitcoin transaction. Oh, yeah, which, with, the, with the layer two stuff, hey? Yeah. So, like I said, the problem with uh, Bitcoin transactions, which they're not actually using layer two, they're using BSV, which is like a specific Bitcoin blockchain, whereas layer two stores data off the chain and links it into the blockchain. So you'd be able to go through the blockchain and see ID 7789 and then go to another database and look at 7789 and see that that's uh, an animation of Master Chief doing a teabag. So that worries me that it's going to be a blockchain. And also the Bitcoin blockchains are quite large as they are just storing transactions. I'm not sure if it's into the hundreds of gigabytes yet. I think it might be. What's going to be interesting uh, in terms of block with the whole uh, NFT saga is uh, how other transactions, other other companies are going to be embracing this level of NFTs. Like, can you imagine other popular fighting games we can see uh, coming into the NFT game? Okay, so the size of Bitcoin, like uh-huh. to store your own copy of the blockchain, yep. is 360 gigabytes and increasing by a gigabyte every few days, apparently. Whoa, what? So that's just recording financial transactions, and that itself, quite limited. That's a serious problem to scale up Bitcoin to be able to handle more transactions. And let me guess, a, cl- a, a cloud um, cloud server would be uh, would not work on this level, would, wouldn't it? No, because you're specifically avoiding the cloud server. The cloud mm. server would be the authoritative thing. And that doesn't work with Bitcoin because Bitcoin's peer-to-peer. That would be like the cloud server would be the bank. And you go into the bank and say, I want to give a million dollars to someone. And then they record that on their ledger. But with Bitcoin, it's peer-to-peer. Everyone gets a copy of the ledger. Everyone can write in an entry on the ledger. And it gets double-checked and all that. Damn. So that's sort of the... The difference, how big will a blockchain that's actually storing assets be? Now, you only generate the asset once. So if you generate a master chief, then that might take up 10 megabytes. I don't know if you'd then be able to update it with like high res textures. If you made a master chief optimized for a, you know, a 1080p monitor running on a five year old graphics card, could you then update master chief with 4k textures and retain that value? Yeah. I don't think you can in the blockchain. Nah. And if you then had, you know, a server where you could download the high-res textures, then that would be a, a layer two problem as well. But no, okay, even though aesthetically, even though if you change the aesthetics, if the programming still works, like if we can still do the motions and whatnot, I don't think people will, will, will like mind it, wouldn't wouldn't they? Like, let's so say you think it- people don't mind if if 2001 Master Chief, like take the graphics from the original game, actually go even worse, take the graphics from the Gearbox PC port, which broke the graphics (laughs) and put that into the blockchain. You're saying that somebody playing in a metaverse game now would be happy with that. I mean, if it's for nostalgia kicks, yeah, it could probably. Okay, that might maybe be a thing then. That's a reasonable point. But what about a company that wants to keep updating it, like Skyrim? Mm. When Skyrim first came out, it was, you know, 2011. And then a few months after release, they released the high-res texture pack. And I think they've bumped it up again for the pre-releases. Yeah. I mean, by the... Okay, in that that case, okay, sure. Like... You can have the uh, you can you can have the the high res the the stuff yeah sure okay if you like that look sure they should I mean there should be an option where you can have the old res or the new res like so now you're suggesting two separate assets one being 2001 Master Chief and one being Halo Infinite Master Chief hmm. so okay. that could also work but then you're also massively increasing the amount of data stored in the blockchain. Yeah. And so let's say the blockchain happens to be the, a similar size to the Bitcoin blockchain, uh-huh. 300 and something gigabytes. Who has 300 and something gigabytes of storage on their hard drive? Not many people, no. not um, Especially oh, console users. Yeah. <laughs> unless, like, oh, unless if they have a portable drive, like if, if they have one of those um, 
portable drives. You could, but then you're adding on more and more stuff. Yeah. You're saying that anyone who wants to maintain the ledger has to have a portable drive. And how are they going to do verifications? If they are doing proof of work, then we've run into the same problem as Bitcoin has. You're dumping tons of power into something. And if people start to drop out because they can't afford the power bill running their Xbox 24-7 computing hashes, then the 51% attack becomes feasible. It will cut. It will have to. It, that, that's that's a, a bit interesting. So, wouldn't a two wouldn't a two step verification um work? Would a two step verification work? That's why. That's my better question. What do you mean? So, do you mean like where it texts you a message and you put that in as well as your password? Yeah. No, because I don't think you could make a blockchain that would work that way. Mm. The way the blockchain works. Uh, currently with proof of work, specifically Bitcoin, Ethereum has their own slightly different implementation. Other popular ones have their own implementation and anything that's not proof of work, like Gridcoin or Folding Coin, which are proof of research, those are completely different. Those ones actually use like real world useful work as their their work to reward people for. But the uh, Ethereum has also been saying they're going to move to proof of stake, which is something a bit different and relies on distributing it between people who own Ethereum coins. But for the proof of work algorithm, every computer on in the Bitcoin network is trying to generate the right number. Like They're trying to guess a password, basically, by running a very difficult computation. And each time they make a guess, that's called a hash. And the um, computer that happens to figure out the correct hash gets wins the right to register that transaction. So on Bitcoin, that happens every 10 minutes. It's called a block. It contains a certain number of transactions. And a Bitcoin miner who guesses the trans who gets the correct hash and is able to secure a transaction how would you then implement a 2fa into that Mm. i don't see an easy way yeah yeah and no no way that wouldn't also compromise security of the bitcoin protocol and the blockchain itself i mean i like the idea i don't like the implementation (laughs) i'm coming around to the idea of nfts but to be fair, most of my arguments against NFTs have always been implementation. Yeah. That's why I was so upset by NFTs to begin with, because they're burning tons of power for a JPEG? What? <laughs> if you think that was crazy, uh, did you hear the recently about uh, Sin City, the comic? How uh, Frank... How... Yeah, they're selling NFTs. Yeah, and how one of the NFTs cost was was on sale for 840k. Yeah. And you can't even really do things with the NFT. It's it's like the whole idea with uh, it, it's it's like the whole idea with the Banksy paintings. Remember how <laughs> that was a thing? Did Banksy sell an NFT? No, but he remember how he sold a painting and then the painting dist- got destroyed or something like that. No, that's different. That was like an artistic move, complaining about uh, capitalism. Bloody bloody blah. All ah, right, right. Yeah. But selling an NFT. So you buy this JPEG of a thing and it's recorded in the blockchain. You take that JPEG and you're not allowed to do anything with it. Like maybe you can print it off and stick it on your wall if you want. But also other people can get access to it pretty easily and there's nothing stopping them from printing it off themselves. But what's really weird is how, what, how, why go through all that, all that, all that when you can just simply find that same image on Google Images or DeviantArt and just print it off. Yeah. Once it's out there available on the internet, then anyone can get a copy of it. Yeah. But anyway, this isn't a crypto (laughs) podcast, so (laughs) moving along to Moon News. (laughs) And we're going to have to rush through this one, unfortunately, because we've just spent way too long talking about our other two topics. We've had the first sample return from the moon in 40 years. China did it, and the rocks show that lava flowed two billion years ago, which means that the moon is has areas of its surface that are a lot newer than we actually thought. The mission was Chang'e 5, and so these are about two billion years old, which is about as old as cellular, cellular life on Earth. That compares to the Apollo missions, which found rocks about four and a half billion years old. So it proves that the moon had a core for longer than we actually thought it's 
interesting because the moon shouldn't be capable of having volcanism that late in planetary history. There's, it's not big enough to have enough gravitational pull on it to generate a warm core. And as far as we know, there's no significant radioactive decay going on on the moon. Although, mind you, like the with, there there have been some really interesting discoveries with the moon lately. Like, uh, remember the time when people s- discovered the moon to have water on it? Although it wasn't yes. really water, but it was... Well, ice, really. Yeah, yeah. And evidence of water and blah, blah. Uh, but here we go. So um, Alexander Nemchin, who works at Beijing Shrimp Center and Curtin University thinks that maybe the moon stayed liquid because when it was closer to Earth, the tidal forces were stronger. That's a good theory, actually. But, you know, there's need a lot more geology done on the moon. So it would be really cool to get back up to the moon and do more research. Mm-hmm. And we also have a clear image. Well, relatively. I mean, it's a radio telescope image, and those are never particularly clear, of the moon-forming dust belt around an exoplanet. So one of the main theories behind planetary formation is that a cloud of dust forms, and as it starts to conglomerate, it forms into a disk because of the rotational forces. And as it forms into a disk and conglomerates, it blobs together into planets and moons. So in this case, they've discovered an exoplanet with its own moon disk around it. Is it similar to the um, rings of Saturn, for example? or that's Yeah, a-, a little bit. It's a little bit like that. But in this case, obviously, the rings of Saturn would then have to collect together and form into a single large body. One thing that really amazes me about the rings of Saturn is how do they manage to keep it all in place? Well, it's it's quite fluid. The rings of Saturn are actually moving around. They're effectively just a cloud of rocks, and the centrifugal forces are what keep it in a ring shape. But it it's quite active. It moves around. It changes. So what's interesting about these planets that they're looking at that have the moon disks, uh, PDS-70, features a fairly young pair of planets, gas giants, but fairly young compared to a all the other exoplanets that have been discovered. This is pretty exciting, actually. Hmm. It does also raise a couple of questions in terms of what created a what creates a planet. Well, it's the same thing. It's material, gas and dust in interstellar space, or well, being attracted to the star. So the star itself forms from a cloud of gas that happens to collect together. Basically, just by the random movement of particles in the gas cloud, some of them end up close enough together that they start to interact gravitationally, and they stick together. And then they invite more friends to come and stick together until you get a star. That's what's happening here. Same deal, but planets and dust instead of gas. But... You know. So where does the Big Bang come into the into the fold then? Or is this after the or was that after the Big Bang? This is significantly after. Okay. So I don't immediately see the age of this system in the um in the article, but they are in the process of being formed. So that implies a fairly young solar system. Whereas there's quite a long period between the Big Bang and the formation of the first stars. And then another long period before the formation of the first planets because uh, as i understand it the big bang basically spread around light elements like helium and hydrogen helium and hydrogen fuse into heavier elements via nuclear fusion and when those stars go supernova they spray them out and those clump together into rocks so there's a saying from carl sagan that we're all made of stardust because the carbon that makes up our bodies is the result of billions of years of radioactive fusion between other lighter elements in stars and heavier elements that split. So he was right all along. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll take a quick break here for our uh, advertising and then on with our shout outs and events of interest. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So on the 4th of October this year, we had the announcement. Nobel Prize winners for the 120th anniversary of the Nobel Prize and the 2021 Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine has gone to David Julius and Adam Pataputian for discovering the receptors for temperature and touch. The prize in physics has gone to Seikuro Manabe and Klaus Hasselmann for physically modeling the Earth's climate, quantifying variability and reliably global warming and also the other half of the award to Giorgio Parisi for identifying the interplay of disorder and fluctuations in physical systems from atomic to planetary scales. The prize of chemistry has gone to Benjamin List and David W.C. McMillan for developing a tool for molecular construction, aka organocatalysts. I think there's still a few more to go. Do they announce the Nobel Prize in literature this week as well? Uh, I think they did. Uh, If I recall, it was uh, Tanzanian or or, uh, someone. Give me a sec. Yes, I see the article you've got from a few days ago says that the uh, prize for literature, peace, and economic science will be announced in the coming days. Uh, here we so go. Let's it, see if we can find a full list. Here we go. The uh, prize winner for literature goes to Abdul Razak Gurunaha. Uh, uh, so the announcement for, from the Swedish Academy was for his uncompromising and compassionate penetration of the effects of coloni- colonialism and the fate of the refugee in the Gulf between cultures and continents. Interesting. And the prize for economic sciences goes to David Card for his empirical contributions to labor economics and the other half to Joshua Angrist and Guido Imbens for methodological methodological (laughs) contributions to the analysis of casual causal relationships. Not casual relationships. <laughs> what does economics have to do with Tinder? <laughs> oh, that's something. And the Peace Prize has gone to... Yeah, two reporters, apparently. Uh, one from Philippines and another one from... Uh, some, I... Maria Ressa and Dmitry Muratov. That's right. For yeah, efforts Russia. to safeguard freedom of expression. And that's for their fight for freedom of expression in the Philippines and Russia. I kind of miss the, uh, they used to hand out booby prizes. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? Okay, in case that's a bit of Aussie slang that people don't mean, it's basically a loser's prize. Oh, is that actually a thing? Yeah. Uh, last year, they actually gave around, gave out, um, who was it? They gave it to Donald Trump, Jair Bolsonaro, and a couple of others for something along the lines of, um, oh no, I'm confusing that with the Ig Nobles, which are awarded by someone else. Oh. I think. No, the Ig Nobles is the honor, the achievements that make people laugh and... Then make them think. Yeah, I had a bit of a brain fart there about the uh, Ig Nobel Prize. I was thinking the um, the one from last year being awarded to Donald Trump in Jebo Sonero, um was a pretty funny one. So uh, uh, for for those interested, this year's Ig Nobels, uh they came out. Winners for the winner for peace is Ethan Bezeris, Steve Nalway, and David Carrier. For testing the hypothesis that humans evolved beards to protect themselves from punches to their face. <laughs> and ecology was to Leila Satari, Alba Gullen, Angela Vidal Vedu, and Manuel Porca for using genetic analysis to identify the bacteria in discarded chewing gum stuck to pavements in various countries. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, here's he, uh, 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 the fun- I think the funniest one 
goes to this one. Uh, Transportation by Robin Radcliffe, Mark Jagger, Peter Morkel, Estelle Morkel, Pierre de Prius, Pierre Bayfall, Bridget Cotting, Baca Manuel, Jan Hendrik de de Prius, Michael Miller, Julie Philippe, Stephen Parry, and Robin Glee. Oh, there's so many. Uh, for determining by experiment whether it is safer to transport an airborne tra- rhinoceros upside down. So the reason for that, I remember reading about this, is that the slings compress their lungs. <laughs> so the theory is that a sedated, obviously, rhinoceros can be transported more easily and safely on its back. <laughs> oh, I yeah. also like the uh, the prizes for physics and kinetics. Which I'm going to, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to skip over the names because there's too many names and we're running out of time. But the prize in physics was for conducting experiments to learn why pedestrians do not constantly collide with other pedestrians. And kinetics (laughs) was for conducting experiments to learn why pedestrians do sometimes collide with other pedestrians. (laughs) And it took two different two two different teams of researchers to come up with the same. Two different teams in the same year, yeah. In the same experiment. <laughs> oh, and uh, okay, for, uh, and for final one, medicine. Uh, it's for demonstrating sexual organs can be effective as decon. Uh, orgasms. I oh, hope. sorry, not Orga- organs. <laughs> sexual- I don't want to use somebody's sexual organs <laughs> as a decongestion medicine. Thank you. <laughs> okay, but sorry, it's sexual organ orgasms can be effective as decongestion medicines at improving nasal breathing. That's a weird one. <laughs> can you imagine? I can imagine this right now going, all right, fellas, we're going to pour it up because I have a cold. <laughs> yeah, post on Tinder. Currently got a really bad head cold. Please help. <laughs> um, so yeah, chemistry go- was for analyzing the air in movie theaters to test whether the odors produced by an audience indicate the levels of violence, sex, antisocial behavior, drug use, and bad language in the movie they are watching. What, what are they going to have, gonna do, have sex in the theater? <laughs> no. The idea is that people watching different scenes will smell different. <laughs> That's true to an extent that people with different brain activity smell different, because people who are about to have a seizure, or even people who have Parkinson's, smell different. <laughs> Most people can't smell it. There's like a handful of people who can, and they train dogs to smell it. I remember they also were doing that for COVID at one point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the one I was going on about earlier with Jeb, or yeah, I think, yeah, Bolsonaro, Boris Johnson, Narendra Modi, Andre, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, Alexander Lukashenko, Donald Trump, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, Vladimir Putin, and... oh. God, this name. <laughs> Yerbanguli Birdie Ma- Mohamedo huh? <laughs> for using the COVID-19 pandemic to teach the world that politicians can have a more immediate effect on life and death than scientists and doctors can. <laughs> oh, it's the 2020s one. Oh, Yeah, right, that was right. last year's. <laughs> Also, material science for last year, showing that knives manufactured from human frozen human feces do not work well. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> mm. And one last one that was really great from last uh, last year. Okay, two acoustics for inducing a female Chinese alligator to bellow in a chamber filled with helium enriched air. <laughs> and management for a series of hitmen who each subcontracted the job to another hitman with nobody actually carrying it out. <laughs> what, is, what is that perfect saying? If you want to get some, get, your, get some job done, do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yes, I really recommend looking back at the Nobel Prizes because just as much as the, um, the Nobel Prize, some of them are really interesting like scientifically and some are just fun. Uh, on the 5th of October, we passed the 10th anniversary of Steve Jobs' death. I'm sure you remember Steve Jobs as the co-founder of Apple, along with Steve Wozniak. And that third guy who no one remembers. He has a name, I just don't remember it. <laughs> I think it was a third guy. He sold out really early and was really upset that he's now just a millionaire. 
Steve Jobs died at 56 after a battle with pancreatic cancer. And I won't go into detail because uh, get me ranting again, but there's a lot of a lot to be said about Steve Jobs and not being a particularly nice guy and being a bit of an idiot with his medical treatment. But you know, you can't deny the effect that Apple design has had on the world. As being over as in uh, being over overpowered fashion statements and for uh Yeah. <laughs> and for sno- uh, and for snooty pe- uh, people who want to fight the system, uh, and, and while drinking Starbucks lattes. Yeah, and how every company copies them, even <laughs> when they shouldn't, like taking away the bloody headphone jo- f- headphone jack. Give me my headphones back. <laughs> the uh, probably the least controversial Steve Jobs story is of the time when they brought the iPod prototype to him, and he said. Can you make it smaller? And they said, no, we can't. It's as small as it can be. So he dropped it into a fish tank and said, see all that air? That's wasted space. You can make it smaller. <laughs> oh, no. And on the 8th of October, we passed the 165th anniversary of the Second Opium War, beginning with the Arrow Incident. The Opium War was a pretty, a pretty nasty time with colonialism. China didn't want to be open to trade with the West and wanted to maintain more control. So the colonials, uh, mainly the British and the French, imported a bunch of opium, got um, got the Chinese people high. The Chinese government didn't like that, banned the opium, and Britain and France went to war against China to get opium made more legal again. I mean, it's an interesting period in history. It's not a very... Pleasant one. Pleasant time, no. It's also the reason why Hong Kong, uh, well, the first Opium War, is the reason why Hong Kong is a former British territory. Part of the treaty for that was that the British got to control Hong Kong, and it still hasn't fully gone back to China yet. I'm not sure when it will, actually, but we all know China wants it back. Yes. Free Hong Kong. Free Hong Kong. That's all I'm yes. going to say. On the 8th of October 1937, we have the death of John Monash. He was an Australian military commander and civil engineer, uh, a general during the First World War, who commanded the 13th Infantry Infantry Brigade and the 4th Brigade in Egypt, with whom he took part in the Battle of Gallipoli. In 1916, he took charge of the 3rd Division in northwestern France, and in May 1918 became commander of the Australian Corps, the largest corps on the Western Front. Monash is considered one of the best Allied generals of the First World War and the most famous commander in Australian history. We also have a bunch of unis and suburbs and all sorts of things named after him. Pretty accomplished guy. Yeah, and he was right in there. Like He went into Gallipoli on the 26th of April, the day after the first landing. There's a lot I could say about him, but... uh, Skipping him for time. He died of a heart attack at 66 in Melbourne. And for our famous birthday, on the 8th of October 1951, we have Tetsuya Nomura, a Japanese video game artist, designer, and director working for Square, who uh, debuted debuted some characters in Final Fantasy VI and continued with later installments, led the development of Kingdom Hearts, and directed the infamous 2005 film Final Fantasy VII Advent Children. I wasn't that infamous. Really? I thought it, I haven't seen it, but I thought it was regarded as pretty bad. Uh, it had some good moments, but yeah, yeah. I, I, if, you, if you have any disagreements with it, please, uh, you know our email address. All right. And I see also I opened up Hong Kong on a info on another tab. Went back into China in 1997. Oops, uh, I was off a bit. Still saying free Hong but Kong. It's still <laughs> a uh, special autonomous region and all that in China. Complicated global politics, but free Hong Kong, etc. Uh, free Hong Kong, free Tibet, free Taiwan. Uh, any I've missed? I don't know. <laughs> So he also designed the uh, stylized characters from Final Fantasy VII and came up with the idea for Limit Break and is responsible for Arif's death. Get him! <laughs> yes. <laughs> Damn that man. <laughs> and for our events of interest, we have on the 8th of October 1829, the Rainhill Trials, which were a, a train race. That's a thing. It was a time trial race where trains would race from Liverpool to Manchester. The winner being Stevenson's Rocket. 
the at the time record holder for fastest train. Although, mind you, this that race train was based was a uh, was trying to prove a theory at at one point that they could use steam engine reliably. Yeah. Yeah. So at the time, most steam power was from a stationary engine, and obviously, a mobile engine different considerations for supplies and weight. It's also a very cute little train. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And. It didn't even hit 50 kilometers an hour. It's not that fast. I mean, fast for the time. (laughs) And for our crazy movie, on the 9th of October 1982, we have a classic Aussie film, Crosstalk. A computer genius who is being confined to his penthouse after a car accident discovers that his advanced computers to make his life easier are taking control. Where have I heard that one before? I don't know. Where have you heard it before? Uh, uh, remember that 2000, The Space Odyssey. Remember Hal? Oh, right. Yeah, well, this was actually inspired by Rear Window and developed from the idea of a character who was trapped in a high-rise building because of an injury and looked out on the world. The original plot of Rear Window is about someone witnessing a murder through a window. But that's all we have for tonight. Where can they find us, DJ? Uh, they can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter... Uh, YouTube, that's not can.com, where we've been archive of our old episodes and new episodes. Uh, you can also find some new That's Not Can podcasts, such as Cold Turkey, which is a discussion podcast based on what has provoked major changes in people's lives for the best. They talk with guests about their most important radical switches from bad to good. Sounds very inspirational. Oh, yeah. So look after yourselves, stay hydrated, and we'll see you next time. See you next week. Bye.